0: It's the afternoon cruise here on Jazz eighty eight, and I'm joined by Dennis Mitchelltree, saxophone player coming through town on Saturday night for a gig at Jazz Central, uh, celebrating a new release from his catalog called Golden Rule. Dennis, thanks for making some time for Jazz eighty
1: eight. Oh, thank you, man. It's my pleasure to be here. I appreciate the opportunity, John.
0: Now, this record, Golden Rule, is far from your debut record. You've been putting out a bunch of records with different variations and different lineups. This one features all original material do you write these tunes before you decide how big and who's going to be playing in the ensemble are these kind of lead sheets or are these crafted for the people you're actually collaborating with
1: it's actually a combination of both um when i uh, most of the recording that i do is with uh, my core group from when i lived in new york city with johannes Wallman on piano jesse crawford on bass and bill mcclellan on drums and we've been playing together for about 30 years so when i write a tune that I know we're going to do a recording for. um, You know, I I hear those guys when I'm writing it. And Mm. uh, I mostly write it down in lead sheets so that anyone can play it. But it's really written for the quartet.
0: Got you. Well, it sounds like this does not sound like a group of unfamiliar musicians. There's a lot of intimacy on the record. And as you can imagine with my gig, being the music director at a jazz station, I listen to a lot of jazz records. This one strikes me as a little bit democratic in the sense that even though you're the leader, it sounds like pretty even solo time for the most part, and a lot of folks getting some shine. Is your personality one where you're just kind of like, I'm not taking two solos just because it's my album? Or is this kind of just, you're so close with the guys that it feels like a really democratic experience?
1: Well, the thing that that draws me to jazz in particular is the fact that um, there's communication going on between the, the musicians and and with the audience when you're playing live. And um, you know, with that being the, the main focus of why I do this, uh, why would I not let the people that I'm playing with uh, uh, shine too? I mean, They have something to say. I want them to be able to say it within the context of the music that I write. Um, yeah, I, I uh, uh, the contribution that they make to it to to the recording is priceless. This is not a, a solo artist with a backing group. This is this is a real band.
0: Well, that probably that philosophy speaks a lot to probably why those dudes will play with you for thirty years. You know, like if if you got somebody who's just sort of saying, "Hey, be a pretty face and comp for me," that's that's probably not going to last as a thirty year partnership. Uh, but this has, and man, you write some really good tunes. The one we've been playing a bunch on Jazz eighty eight. Is Genghis Kant, and I want to ask, which what I'd love to pretend it was for our audience, but even though I'm myself I'm a bass player, I'll, I'm just gonna go real elementary school here, Dennis there's, uh, I think, a B section in the tune where it sounds, quote-unquote, wrong. You and Johannes are playing something together and it's kind of squonky. It's exactly perfect, but it doesn't sound as harmonious as the rest of the uh, recording. Can you let me in a little bit as the writer of the tune into what I'm talking about and what you're doing there between you and Johannes? Yeah, that's um, that's
1: actually a function of Of the harmony that i have written against the the melody in that section and uh along with uh johannes's take on it to tell you the truth i did not write the voicings in that 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 johannes ended up playing um but uh when he came up with those man i was just like wow that's absolutely totally appropriate for this whole situation so it was a, a function of what i wrote but also how johannes decided to approach it
0: And that's one of the things about uh, you know composing music, especially for jazz players, you have to be prepared for what you crafted to really get a reworking when the players actually get it under their fingers. Is that something that came naturally to you, or have you had to sort of humble yourself and know, okay, these folks are going to change it, and that's okay?
1: Oh no, I definitely had to humble myself. (laughs) I mean, when I was younger, and I wrote a tune, I wanted it to be exactly that way. And of course, it's it's never exactly that way. So I had to learn how to basically just let go and allow the musicians to have their own contribution to what it is that I put in. And to tell you the truth, when they do that, it comes out so much better than just doing it exactly with the way that I said. Why would I not let them shine? You know, it's, it, it's
0: what we're doing it for. Man, you got a really generous personality, and it comes through uh, in your writing as well. I'm chatting here with Dennis Mitchelltree, who's performing on Saturday night at Jazz Central, and we're talking a lot about this new record, Golden Rule. But Dennis, we should hone in a bit on the show. Jazz Central is a really well-established venue in the Twin Cities and a favorite for a lot of folks, both in town and traveling. Um, who are you bringing with your ensemble, and what can folks expect to come out on Saturday night?
1: Um, we're playing music from the new recording along with a couple of of uh, cuts that are from other CDs as well. But, um, it's, it's with Johannes Wallman who is my pianist from New York, who now heads the, um, uh, jazz department in, um, at the university of Wisconsin, Madison. Yep. And, um, so he's going to be on the gig, which is awesome. Um, you know, it's always really great to have at least one guy there who really, really knows what he's doing, uh, in terms of the music that I've written when you're doing all original music like that. And you go into, a a new place where the musicians aren't as familiar, you have a rehearsal, but really it takes a few times to really dig in and also to get to know the personalities that you're playing with. So with Johannes being there, that makes that really, really easy. Um, Playing bass is um, Nick Moran, who's an excellent bassist out of Madison, who I've played with a number of times. In fact, we were just doing a, we did a gig for Jazz at Five series in Madison last August. And he played on that along with Dave Bayless. Um, but um, uh, Dave wasn't available to do the uh, the gig in Minneapolis, so um, I have um, Abinette Berhenu
0: playing. It's the afternoon, Cruz. You are hanging out with Dennis Mitchelltree, who's coming through town to play on Saturday night over at Jazz Central, and we've been playing the tune Genghis Khan from the record Golden Rule, and Dennis, when I knew that I was going to have the chance to talk with you, I gave the record a fuller listen, and the tune that drew me in Frankly, even more so maybe than Genghis Khan was Rachel, which has a couple different feels in it. And I would say is one of the more ambitious tunes on the record compositionally. Can you talk a little bit about that um, song and about getting that performance down? Because it's a really a top notch rendition of the tune.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, that's a tune that I wrote actually some time ago. Just haven't had the opportunity to record it because, as you mentioned, it is it is pretty complex. I mean, one of the reasons why it's taken this long to record this particular tune is that uh, 15 years ago I had my first child and then I had another one uh, mm. two and a half years after that and um, moved out to L.A. from New York City. So I, I, you know, I put the the music kind of on, on a slightly lower level than the kids. I mean, I, I still do, but now that they're older, I've got a chance to, um, to do more of my own thing at this point. So it's taken a while to get this one recorded. It was written for a woman who... Um, set up a a a whole bunch of concerts with my group back when i lived in new york city her name is rachel and she was such a great spirit Um, unfortunately she ended up uh, dying of cancer way way too young and um at the time i was just writing a tune and i was thinking about her and her personality and and everything that she brought to into the world and i just wanted something that would reflect that and um that one really did it for me i mean it's um there's some really complex harmony at the beginning it's it's very calm but with um, um, you know, some, some kind of uh, uh, undercurrent that's, um, that's very deep, very um, complex, and, um, and then it gets set up to something that's, that's a, a bit more raucous when, when we get to the 12-8 section. So to me that encapsulated this person that, uh, that I really cared about, this person that um, brought a lot into the world and, and unfortunately died way too young.
0: thought there would be a story like that behind it, not necessarily about the travails of uh, passing early, but just the sense that there was a lot of emotion imbued with it, which is, um, you know, I think people might think of instrumental music as background. I imagine that you and I don't, given the lines of work we're in. Uh, but that music, that song in particular, is really far from background. It's it's really powerful stuff. And I appreciate you putting it into the universe. I got a question for you, Mr. Mitchell Tree, that uh, doesn't relate to the music thing directly, but you just mentioned having kids and them getting a little older. I'm sitting here with a five-year-old and a -a Mm two-and-a-half-year-old. You're giving me a little bit of optimism that maybe at some point you kind of get your life back. Of course, you're happy to give your life to your children, but you get it back. So you're kind of hitting a second wind as a performer. How are you approaching it differently now at a different age, you know, at a different stage in your life than maybe you were pre-children?
1: Well, one thing that children teach you is that you are definitely not the center of the universe, <laughs> and that um, when uh, when they need you, you got to drop everything else and you gotta you gotta come running. Um, <laughs> the ability to realize that uh, what you're doing is important, but there's just so much to the universe, so much to the, to what we do um, that we can do out, outside of what we think our main calling is. And um, you know, when I had kids, I I I basically Oh, well, let me relate a story. (laughs) My daughter was like four months old. We just moved to L.A. I hadn't been able to compose and I had this tune in my head and she went down for a nap in the afternoon and I was like, Ah, finally time for me. And about uh, 30 minutes into it, when I was just getting started writing this thing down, I hear my daughter going, yeah, 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 yeah. She's waking up in the other room and there was a wave of like, like anger that came over me. I'm like, oh, am I never going to get this time to do this thing? And at that moment, I just said to myself, that thing going on in the other room where she's waking up is far more important than writing this down right now. And so the maturity that comes with, um, with having children and finding your place in the world is really the biggest difference between where I am now and where I was back then. And uh, frankly, it's made me a better person. And uh, as a better person, I'm a better composer and I'm a better musician, and um, just a better person in general. And you know, frankly, I, I keep struggling with that and I keep trying and uh, hopefully it just keeps getting better.
0: Well, you know what? Uh, you, you've really exuded a lot of uh, selflessness and collaborative energy today in our conversation. I hear it on your record as well. So if we can uh, give any credit to that type of energy that you're bringing to the universe uh, to your two children, uh, that's a, a beautiful thing. And really looking forward to catching you Saturday night. You're playing over at Jazz Central. Uh, Dennis Mitchell Tree looks like a combination of some uh, local players who are known to us here in the Twin Cities. And also bringing in Johannes Wallman, who we've been a big fan of here at Jazz 88, supporting his most recent uh, release on Shifting Paradigm. So, Dennis, looking forward to the show on Saturday. If you got anything else to add, go for it, but otherwise, uh, just glad you took some time to catch up with Jazz88. Uh,
1: I really want to thank you for having me on it. Talking with you has been a joy. Um, and uh, you know, go check out the record, Golden Rule, and uh, come to the show on Saturday night. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you.